Hey everyone, this week's inaugural episode of the Berman Hour podcast is brought to you by our friends at New Wave, who are bringing us Flow State Coffee. This is excellent coffee for creative types like you and me. It's coffee blended with raw cacao, blended with a little bit of L-theanine, which is an amino acid that naturally reduces your stress and anxiety. And if you observe the world like I observe the world, then you are always fucking riddled with stress and anxiety. Let New Wave help you and let me help you get 10% off your first order by going to newwave.co slash Berman. That's N-O-O-W-A-V-E dot C-O slash Berman. All right, I'm excited. You excited? Let's start the podcast. Let's get it. Hello, everyone, and welcome, finally, fucking finally, to the inaugural episode, the first episode of the Berman Hour podcast. I am your host, Jeff Berman. It is great to be with you here in a format that, while technological, and my parents still may have trouble figuring it out, it's a hell of a lot better than Instagram Live. For those of you that don't know what I'm talking about, right when quarantine hit, I was looking for new ways to be creative. Some of them were good ideas. Some of them were not good ideas. One of the better ideas, I think, was to reach out to people that I knew, just ordinary people that were doing extraordinary things, and I wanted to interview them on kind of a talk show format. Fancy myself after uh, Mr. Carson or uh, Mr. Letterman or Mr. Leno or Mr. O'Brien. You can just add Mr. Berman to that list, right? Well, we'll see how it goes. But anyway, I started interviewing people that I knew from the worlds of music, art, entertainment, podcasts, mommy blogs, education, journalism, even politicians, and it was awesome. It was great to connect with people. It was great to reconnect with people. The only thing that sucked about it was that it was on Instagram Live. Now, I love Instagram. Of all of the social media bullshit and all of the cacophony and all of the fucking echo chamber that exists because of social media, I truly believe that Instagram is a great tool. It's an entertaining tool, but the technology was not there on the Instagram Live side. If you've ever tried to fuck with Instagram Live, you know what I'm talking about. I had so many great interviews that fell victim to shitty connections or let's say, snafus, technical snafus, and I went through it. I did about 50 episodes, and I decided to change things up here in the fall and kind of treat this as a new semester of sorts for the Berman Hour and to do it as a traditional podcast. So I hope that you have followed along for the ride. I hope that you have enjoyed what I've done. I'm going to be focusing on some guests that I previously had on the Berman Hour when it was on Instagram Live just because I thought the interviews were great and they don't live anywhere because of the technology or the lack thereof or perhaps it's my inability to accurately channel that technology into a format where people can hear. But here we are, the first episode. I can't think of anybody that I would have rather had for my first episode than the mouth of the South himself, Mr. Tony Winebender. Tony is a festival promoter in Gainesville, Florida. We all know him and love him as Tony from the Fest. If you don't know what the Fest is, it is a music festival. It's a homecoming. If you tour for a living like I have done for the last eight years and you spend 
all this time away from your friends and family and you see them bit by bit and you see bands and other artists that you know bit by bit as you tour around the country and you tour around the world, everyone comes together usually around Halloween weekend in Gainesville, Florida. We take over the town and we have one hell of a good time, one hell of a music festival, and it's always fun. And I'm going to miss it this year. And part of me missing fest, or rather the remedy to missing fest, was to talk with Tony Weinbender. It was good to catch up with Tony, not in any sort of rushed scenario or not at the bar at Lucy's when everybody needs help from him and needs his attention. Or not even, you know, when I'm just kind of touring through Gainesville and he's got shit to do and I've got shit to do and a show to play. It was nice to just one-on-one sit down and talk with the man, Tony Weinbender himself, and really learn about his love for what he does, his love for the city of Gainesville, his love for professional wrestling. Oh shit, did you hear that? I think half the people that subscribe to this podcast already just unsubscribed because I started talking about professional wrestling. I assure you, not every episode is going to be about professional wrestling. And this one really isn't either. It is a little bit, you know, we talk about it with Tony in the interview, but I'm not going to be talking about wrestling all the time. But some of the time. But please don't unsubscribe. I need you here. I want you here. Actually, I don't need you here. I would be doing this if you were listening or not. But I would like to have you here. So I hope that you hang around. Anyway, if there's someone you think would be a good guest for the Berman Hour podcast, please send me a message at the Berman Hour on Instagram. And in addition, I would greatly appreciate it if you rate and review the Berman Hour with five stars on wherever it is you listen to your podcasts. So until then, take care of each other, wear a fucking mask, be compassionate, and don't Let your friends and family vote for Donald Trump. We all got him in our family. We all got him. The Trumpers, they're everywhere. Oy vey. This here inaugural episode of the Berman Hour podcast is also brought to you by our sponsors at High Spirit Shirts, who make hand-spun tie-dye sweatshirts and t-shirts for you to look awesome in. They also do baby onesies and beer koozies. And right now, they're running a special promotion on two great things. First, Stinger t-shirts. No, not the Sting from the fucking police. Sting, the icon, the professional wrestling legend himself. The Stinger, baby. Woo! They're doing t-shirts for Stinger that are awesome. They also have new masks that are tie-dyed that say, will you just shut up, man? You know who that's for. Yeah, let's get it at High Spirit Shirts on Big Cartel, but they do most of their business on Instagram, so give them a follow, check out their stuff, and if you want something custom made, a gift perhaps, they can do that for you as well, at High Spirit Shirts on Instagram. All right, we're here. The Berman Hour podcast, episode number one. Here is my interview with Tony Weinbender. Let's get it. time now you know we're over six months since we've all been dealing with you know having to come up with a new way of living life be it like our our families our friends our daily routines our jobs you know and also being like in our own self-awareness of our health right you know um so it's 
everybody's had to do different things. Everybody had to go through things. Like I personally have had to like, you know, with Fest, we had like the whole drama going leading up was like, you know, we had Fest ready and we were ready to announce everything. And that's kind of right when, you know, cases started ticking up in the States. So it was like this whole like internal staff, you know, which are all my friends, you know, and we're like, Hey, should we do this? Should we not do this? Should we wait? Should we not wait? So that was a really stressful couple of months because internally we all had different opinions and granted, I think a lot of that had to do with where we all live, you know, like my opinion at the time, like was like, well, look, Gainesville is like doing it right. We're one of the few cities in, in the state of Florida that, uh, you know, shut shit down quickly. Uh, we have really good mayor who was really on top of his shit, uh, started trying to do like mask mandates and stuff like that really early on. Um, and Gainesville's numbers were low. Uh, and then this state of Florida. So at that time it was kind of like, well, let's see how it goes. You know, yeah. we're talking like April, May, like, let's see, should we wait a month? Should we wait in two months? Yet we have like attendees that have booked, you know, their tickets from overseas mm-hmm. and have been dealing with this way before any of us dealt with it, you know, in the States. And then we have staff that live in New York and in San Francisco and places that were affected way earlier than other areas like where we live here in Gainesville. So in, in early on, it was, a, it was a real debate, but I think we all just kind of realized that like, look, you know, we talked to city officials, we talked internally we reached out to every performer and said like, Hey, you know, like, how do you feel about this? Do you feel safe doing this? Do you want to like, so it was like, instead of just doing normal business, we were really just trying to figure out like, what's the right thing to do. And I'm glad as soon as we decided we we're going to postpone it to 2021, it really was like a weight off the shoulders. You know? Yeah. I give you guys a lot of credit too. I think the way that you rolled out your announcement for 2021 was was really good because it just didn't give people the internal debates that you just described that you and your your team were having weren't then privy to like public discussion. It was like there was an automatic decision that was made and it was postponed to next year and it just kind of eliminated all of that echo chamber back and forth, you know bullshit for lack of a better everybody has their opinions and regardless you know the the crazy thing was that like attendees were really cool about it like you know we pretty much had an open refund policy even before we decided we were gonna cancel this you know when we put tickets up for sale in april people were losing their jobs and so we were like look if you feel comfortable buying a ticket buy one if you don't feel comfortable don't if you need a refund let us know Like, it's that simple. You know, we're not going to screw you over. Like, at the time, you know, there was a lot of, like, ticketing companies. You know, I bought tickets to events that I couldn't even get my fucking refund through because it was through, like, fucking Ticketmaster. Or Live Nation stuff is such a mess. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, Yeah. it was was a nightmare. So we just wanted to do, you know, and we've always, we all come from the same scene, and we always want to take care of each other first and foremost. And so, like, that was the main priority. Not that, you know we need to look after ourselves financially, but we had to, but at the same time, we wanted to make sure attendees and everybody was comfortable. So we were a little lucky, you know, we've, we've processed refunds, but maybe it's like a third of ticket sales, which is great. So a lot of people held on to their tickets, which is wonderful. It gave us a little bit of a, 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 I don't know, security blanket to know that like, Hey, we can still do this. 
and then able to also the people that have put in the hard work in 2020 to make things happen were able to still get paid right that you know run fest and do things so it's cool for me now it's just like it's just crazy because like like the other day i had uh my google calendar just alerted me like hey it's seven o'clock tonight we're having our first volunteer summit <laughs> and i'm just like if only it's really hitting hitting home you know things like that like normally now i'd be like super busy you'd be round and with, third yeah yeah and i'm not i'm not even like i'm not even out i'm not even at the fucking field man <laughs> you know it's like so i've just been trying to keep keep uh busy and you know things have fallen into where it's like oh i have to do all this other stuff now but it's like working out uh my wife you know she's been doing great you know we have her in-laws live here in town and they're kind of elderly so it's like i shouldn't say elderly it's a shitty thing to say they're older (laughs) (laughs) um so we were worried you know about them and situations and you know even like the the concept of just missing friends you know do we have like a buddy over to the house and we all hang out outside and nobody goes inside and how do we operate and everyone's going through that it's such a strange way of existing you know because it's like it, it, say you have somebody that you just dis- you're friends with but you disagree politically or you disagree on a on a social issue or something you know it's not like their varying opinion from yours is going to literally kill you like like this could you know if yeah. if you and your and your wife and your family are taking it seriously but you invite you know somebody over who has it in their head that you know yeah, uh, whatever conspiracy have, I mean, or whatever, and and then like you think they're taking it seriously, but they're not. It just it's a whole new level of of yeah, oddness really, with friends, you know. Yeah, we've been really cautious. Like we don't have many folks over, and when we do, it's like one at a time, and it's people we know that like are in the same boat as we are. Like, hey, we're not going out, we're not doing stuff. Like we, if we do go out anywhere, it's like pretty much just only Lucy's, and it's outside in the street. Yeah, You know, like they have tables set up in the street. The tables are like 12 feet away from each other. You're not around people. Like, I feel like more self-conscious about like, fuck, am I going to get COVID for having to go to the grocery store in Gainesville? Because like, even though it's a mask mandate law that you have to wear a mask inside, the poor people that work in these stores don't want to enforce that shit. Yeah. So you have a Yahoo who's like trying to like get a zucchini next to you. Who's not wearing a mask and talking through his like Bluetooth through his like little AirPod in his ear. You know, it's kind of like, yeah, come on, man. Like, or like I have to go to Lowe's because I'm doing like, you know, construction work stuff. And like, if you go to Lowe's here in Gainesville, like early in the day, it's all the contractor guys who are like Yahoo's and they're like, fuck that. I ain't wearing no fucking mask. And it's like, you guys wear a mask when you work. Why can't you just wear a fucking mask when you go in the store? Christ's sakes. Like it's just it's just shitty how like the health and politics have like branched over and it shouldn't have anything to do with each other. Yeah. You know? and, and that's a whole nother debate of things. It's just like, you know, I think the best way is is, you know, like when you first start learning how to drive, the best way to learn how to drive is self is defensive driving. And I think that's how we're trying to have to live our life. If you want to try to stay healthy right now in this situation, live a defensive life. Like, you know, don't put yourself at risk and do high risk behaviors. Yeah. It, it's just, it's, you know, you in Florida and, and I've been in Pennsylvania this summer because I, I, I moved back to the East Coast and I'm here and it's it's been nice. And my wife and I haven't 
ventured to any restaurants yet. We we're, we still don't want to do that. But we can meet with people in the backyard or in their backyard and be way more than 10 feet away and still have, you know, a beer and a conversation and it's fine. But it's getting cold now. So we're starting to see people's oh. people kind of bend their their own stringent ideas about this, you know, that they adapted in, in May when things kind of let up. And and now they're reevaluating for the purpose of trying to remain social. And we're just like, fuck it. Like, we'll see you in our, we'll see you in April. <laughs> it's fine. Like, we love you, but man, we you just got to get your yeah. little your little bonfire going, man. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, tonight's like the coolest it's been. And Gainesville was like mid seventies today, and we got our windows open for like the first time. And so that's great, you know. And I think that'll in this in this area it'll bring more people outside. The city of Gainesville also just recently opened up a thing where they got a, they did away with, with open container policy. Um, oh, really? First for this city, yeah. And basically, it's the concept is they have all these college kids coming here for University of Florida, which is one of the biggest universities. Um, and the state just reopened bars again. So what they're doing is the city of Gainesville, instead of um, trying to encourage people not to just hoard in bars and do this, they have blocked off certain streets in Gainesville around these bars and allowing people, they've put up tents, like in Lot 10, where we did Fest that one sure. year. Sure, yeah. Um, they have giant tents set up in Lot 10 now and tables and chairs and like porta potties set up. And it looks like a fucking festival is going on. But basically, they're just telling people like, hey, you can order food from Lucy's, drinks from Lucy's, and you can walk it over to Lot 10 and you can chill. Nice. Granted, there's no, there's no like policing of anything. So, like, people are just hanging out in Lot 10 without masks on, congregating. Like, it, it, so it's like... But you can yeah, walk down I, to Holiday Inn with a, with an open drink, though. It's not... I can walk... I can, I can, like, I can have a party in the middle of the park, you know, a city park right now in Gainesville, and put a keg there. Oh. If wow. I wanted to. They're just trying to encourage people not to be indoors. I think the concept that Gainesville is trying to do is, like, the thought is like this shit's going to spread numbers going to go up regardless when you have this many college kids in town and it's just an influx of population i mean for those that are not familiar with gainesville it's it's a college town it is a a typical college town so well it's also university of florida it's one of the biggest humongous yeah you're talking like close to you know sixty five thousand extra people right My goodness. Yeah. Well, I, I, I feel for you. I, I, I wanted to get to that. I'm glad we got to that early. But can can you kind of take us back and kind of walk us through? Like, how did you end up in Gainesville? Um, I used to play in a band in the 90s in Virginia called Swank. Okay. And uh, it was like in high school and early years of college. What part and of Virginia? So, uh, Roanoke, mm-hmm. which is on like 81. That's where I grew up. And then I went to college at George Mason outside of dc just fairfax right yeah yeah then moved back home after like we all moved there as a band at high school because like our bass player went there he was a year older than us so we're like oh we'll move there we also were hugely influenced by dc and like discord records so we're like fuck yeah we're gonna live outside dc but unmost to us like fairfax is just like the burbs right it was the least punk thing in the world i think the punkest thing in fairfax is dave grohl's mom like teaches high school there (laughs) uh so after a year, we moved back to Roanoke, and uh, then I went to JMU. But long story short is that um, in those early years, you know, we 
we would tour and touring, uh, you know, you only get to tour when you were on break, like mm-hmm. spring break, summer break, uh, and, and Christmas break. And it was just like a lot easier and it seemed a lot more weather permitting to like travel south and north from Virginia. So we would come down to Florida a lot, come to Gainesville a lot yeah. on tour and uh, play at the hard back in the early years. We played with Less Than Jake. We played with Hot Water Music. And a lot of other bands, like No More, that was from here. Like, we play with, like, Danny's old band, Alan Wrench. Yeah. And stuff like that. And so, like, I always, like, Gainesville was, like, a sister city. It was, like, Richmond or Gainesville. Richmond or Gainesville are the two cities I love. And when, you know, the band kind of fizzled out and I was kind of in college and doing stuff, I was like, you know, where am I going to move, you know? And Vinny from Lesson Jake had Fuel by Ramen. And he kind of hit me up and was like, hey, you know, you're really involved in uh, booking this music festival called Mac Rock at your school, James Madison University in Harrisonburg. Yeah, I want to talk to you about that in a minute, you've, too. You've yeah. toured with us several times on Warp Tour. You know, Vinny and I had, a, a, you know, very similar ideas about punk ethics, about band. We liked the same kind of bands. We thought the same kind of bands needed a push. And he was like, look, I'm away from the label a whole lot. Why don't you move to Gainesville? I'll give you a good job and you can kind of help run this record label with this guy, John Janik, um, who's my partner in this. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I went to my advisors at school and they're like, yeah, you should just do this. You should drop out of school. Like you're getting a a paycheck and this is what you want to do. And you got kind of creative freedom too. So that's, I made my decision to move to Gainesville then. Um, and it was a great opportunity, and, but at the same time, uh, a lot of good things happened on that. You know, I had a lot, I worked my ass off. I got a lot of connections with bands and I'm able to help cool bands. Yeah. Uh, I met a lot of new people moving to Gainesville that I didn't know before. Cause before that I kind of knew the hot water guys. I knew the Les and Jake guys. And when I moved here, they were all on tour all the time. Sure. So I'd made new friends, new, 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 uh, family members. And, but in the end, uh, John Janik and I just didn't see eye to eye. Uh, and I thought the label should go one way. He thought it should go another way. He was totally right. <laughs> yeah. Um, because they signed bands that were very successful and made a lot of money. Uh, and, you know, that's just kind of how things went. I stayed in Gainesville. It was kind of weird. Uh, went through like a weird time where I was kind of like, I couldn't get jobs because like my like my resume, you know, I'm 25 years old. I've worked for an independent record label that nobody really knows. I worked college radio, which is un- unpaid. I did a music festival that nobody knows about. I worked in record stores and video stores. And then in Gainesville, if you're like 25 and you're a punk, where are you supposed to work? At a restaurant, you know? And yeah. So I what what year did you end up in, in Gainesville? 2000. Uh, January okay. 2000, I moved here. All right. And and you you mentioned something about MacRock, which I had written down that I wanted to ask you about. MacRock was, in a lot of ways, when I went there in, in the late 90s and early 2000s, that's, it reminds me, Fest reminds me of MacRock in the same way that it's kind of in and, and around uh, Harrisonburg, Virginia. They have a little bit more involvement kind of on campus. I'm curious about your involvement in that, and I'm also curious if... Fest ever had any kind of stamp or footprint on the campus of U of F? When I moved to Harrisonburg, it was kind of like the band had fizzled out, the band I played in. 
And so a lot of my friends were going to school there and I was like, you know what? I got to get back into school. I got to do something. But I still missed that element of like being in the scene and, and being a part of stuff. So WXJM, which was a radio station there, was a great outlet. Um, and you met a lot of like-minded people, even if they were into stuff like fucking dance, you know, rave music, techno at the time, or, you know, everybody was so into what they were into and they were passionate about it. And so like we had all gone to CMJ, the college music journal, uh, conference. That was part of the thing. Like when you're involved with a radio station, you put in all these community hours pretty much to like be a part of it. And you cash them in, you go to New York city for a week and just get crazy. Yeah. Yeah, and we went to CMJ, and we all kind of, kind of came back, and we're like, you know what? This they don't really showcase or feature the bands that we were into at the time. You know, like all these bands that were on like Jade Tree or like uh, uh, Saddle Creek, you know, and stuff like that. We're like, they don't play these. Like, Hot Water Music wasn't featured. Lesson Jake wasn't featured. Like, it was like a bunch of older indie rock bands, and that, and a bunch of like big record executives with like giant laminates and like who didn't even look like they were into the same kind of music and so we're like you know what fuck this let's start our own conference and so like we as a group got together and and figured it out so i was like heavily involved with with that even after i left and moved to gainesville i still was involved with mac rock oh wow and them, yeah uh book showcases and stuff like that but yeah fest is very much a blueprint after mac rock in the sense of like focus on smaller bands f- focus on showcasing your city and focus on a choose your own adventure type thing instead of just one big outside right. field where, okay, this band's playing, but I really don't like them, but now I can't go anywhere else. So if you have like all these venues, you can, you know, I can go to another show or I can go here or there. Um, the only difference when we first started Fest Versus MacRock was MacRock very much because we were involved with the school and because it was geared towards college radio. There were like seminars and things at MacRock, like you know, which were I went to many of them. Yeah, they were yeah. awesome. Yeah, great, where, great panel discussions with people from, you know, everyone from Dave Smalley talking about his, you know, band resume to Discord doing stuff. It was always really interesting. Yeah, and that was perfect, you know, for that. But then when we went to go do Fest, I was like, I don't want any of that. <laughs> you know i just kind of want to like make it more of a, a fest like yeah. a party you know yeah because in college like it was weird for us like fest was like a weird like i don't know adjective we called things like if it was like a raging party we called it a fest you know mm-hmm. dude you're going to that fest tonight like it was like a weird dumb <laughs> thing like you know like anything in college uh yeah so i just wanted it to be like very simple and easy and basically a a, a a gathering of friends and that's how we started and that's so still kind of i feel like how it is and that's today. what it feels like tony i mean you know the for lack of a better phrasing the punks love you you're kind of the godfather in a lot of ways because you've helped make things happen for a lot of bands you've given you know countless opportunities to so many artists and comedians and wrestlers and we'll get into all that shit but it, you know when you were saying that kind of before Fest really became what it became, but you weren't at Fueled by Ramen anymore, and you were aimless, so to speak, in, in Gainesville. You know, the challenge of, of putting that sort of work that you've done that's so entrenched in a subculture into some sort of tangible, descriptive, recognizable 
format into the eyes of kind of normal people, you've bridged that gap now. I mean, Gainesville recognizes your work and the longevity of your work. You know, how long did it take for that to really come to fruition? Because didn't you get the keys to the city at some point? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> it was something. Um, it took, honestly, like, you know, what I think before we gained the respect of like city council and city people, it took about, it took till Fest 10. Okay. And I think that's when people really realize. But I think before that, you have to gain res- The first thing we had to do is gain respect of like, the scene in Gainesville, because you got to remember, I came down from Virginia. Right. And even when I first moved here, I was working at Fuel Bar Ramen. So there was people in the Gainesville scene that were kind of like, one, who the fuck is this guy? And two, like, yuck. Big shot. <laughs> like <laughs> Big label, big at, shot. You yeah. work at Fuel Bar Ramen? Like, we don't even know any bands like that. They don't even put out local bands, you know, like that. You know, when you have two labels in town, you have no idea in this, you know. Uh, so... That the first thing we had to do is 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 gain, and the easy way to do that is like you know when we started fest it was just all of us like sitting around like drinking beers and like in our in our house you know I lived with like four other guys and we'd have our friends over that we met at bars or going to shows and so like as a as a scene as a town we all can't kind of came together and that's kind of like how like Macrock was it was a communal thing like we sure. sit around instead of just me sitting going like i'm gonna book all the bands i'm gonna do this it was like hey let's collectively together let's put out a guidebook let's talk about this let's do this who's good at this and who's good at that so it was like a big think tank group of people putting it up pulling it off and that's still how it is in a lot of ways that's how we treat like you know why we have so many like volunteers that work out for a fest. We want to give people the opportunity to experience more than just being um, an attendee. Right. You know? Cause a lot, you know, but you know, to backtrack a little, you know, it's, I think after we did that, it took about a, you know, we gained respect of the venues in town to be like, Hey, let us use your spaces, um, gain respect of the restaurants in town to be like, Hey, will you do like a sponsorship trade with us to feed these bands? Um, you know, and it took about 10 years, but no, we didn't get keys to the city. They gave us like an award, like an entertainment award one year. Okay. And they planted a tr- a little like holly tree in a park. Oh, nice. A little, a little plaque around our name. On That's it. cool. Yeah. That's except cool. like every year, Sarasatius and I would go and like, like take a picture with the tree, like around Christmas time and like go decorate the tree. And then last year... We went there, and they had demolished the entire park. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. We're like, That's what the up. fuck? The tree's gone. Like, and so they're renovating the park. So we called Parks and Rec. Well, Sarah did. And she's like, hey, I'm with Fest. Like, where the fuck is this tree? And they're like, oh, um, yeah, we have it. And she was like, cool. Thinking like, they were like, do you want to come it? get it? And they're like, well, I mean, we like don't really know which tree is which, but we have the plaque. So when we go to replant it, we'll let you know. <laughs> it's kind of like, okay, cool. I kind of wish they would just give us a tree. We could have put the tree at my house or something. Yeah. 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 Um, but so that tree somewhere, I mean, we'll probably have to follow up at some point. I hope by now they've put it somewhere. Can you, in the but, interim, can you get a rocking chair at GNV airport? <laughs> <laughs> no, you can pay for one and put it there. That's what Lessa Jake did. That's what they did. <laughs> Yeah, 
You could you could put one there if you want. You got the permanent hour. Just buy your own chair, man. Hey, I might do that. I might do that. You know, the pandemic is is forcing me to have weird weird business ideas. So that yeah. stranger things have happened. Yeah. Um, so you're saying it took about ten years for the community to recognize the work that you more and your, the city, more the city, yeah, I mean, and, and and certain people in the community because in the first you know several years I, there was definitely people in as liberal as Gainesville can be an ex hippie you know it is you you got a bunch of like in the early years there was more like punks would come to fest yeah and, you know it just looked kind of weird for a lot of people that lived here for a long time they were older. And also they're like, oh, this is a music festival and the bands they didn't get, you know, get no. I mean, it also probably took 10 years around that time for like people in the community that weren't, you know, of our scene to recognize like bands like Against Me, Hot Water Music and Less Than Jake. Right. Yeah, the city's been nothing but helpful. In fact, like doing dealing with all this COVID stuff, it was, you know, it was very easy to reach out to, you know, city managers uh, the mayor and things like that to get their opinion on things. And the last like conversation we had, which was many, many months ago, it was just kind of like, you know, when we were debating on if we should do this, even though the numbers were, were low, it was kind of like this whole thing of like, well, you know, when fall comes, the students are coming back and we know the numbers are going to skyrocket. Yeah. And that's exactly what's happening right now. Um, and so, I'm glad we were able to like all come to an understanding of like, you know, maybe it's just best if we all take a knee now than having to do it now. You know, if it's like a month out and we're saying, like, oh, well, let's yeah, pump the brakes. Exactly. You know? That's, that's, uh, that's tough. And I think majority of people, majority of businesses and everything have, have scaled things back, you know, like even Danny and I were sitting outside of Lucy's today and we're like, man, you know, the way like things are right now, like where you have access to the street for the first time and there's open container laws been abolished and like you have these tables spaced out everywhere. It's like, what's really stopping or what would be different than having some entertainment out here? Like there's really, I mean, we're all outside, you know, if it was like everybody stayed at their tables, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like what, what's the real difference? And I think the thing is like, we're all just kind of a little scared to try to do something or to try to do something and be very passionate about something like a small show, you know, you're talking like 20, 30 people sitting at tables around it, you know, yeah, would be like, okay, we're trying to do this. And then some yahoos come in rolling up and are like, no mask causing problems. Uh, especially yeah. now with the way like certain people have in their mentality where they're just anti mask, you know, anti following the rules, you know, it's almost like, it's disgusting. I mean, it, it's like the the, politis- the, the politicization of, of the mask and, and like the fear of being viewed as weak, Just it just boggles my mind. It's almost like the punk, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> we're the punks, like we're the anarchists, we're the crazy ones. But, yeah, yeah. But, but, but no, you're just like rolling up and being an antagonist for no reason. Yeah. I don't know. I just, is, is it worth trying to do something to have to deal with that drama? And I'm just kind of like over it now. You know, around 2000 in I would say 98 to 2002, there was, there seemed to be kind of a rash of new festivals, punk festivals that would happen on the East Coast. And there was the Beer Olympics in Atlanta and Holidays in the Sun tried to do a couple things in Asbury Park. And the missing element to them was that they didn't ingratiate themselves with the local community. And so it was just kind of punks come and take over a town 
And in a lot of ways, that was, you know, devastating to the town and to private property and, and all of that shit. And so those those festivals died out. But the fest, you know, continues to, to thrive, notwithstanding this COVID thing. But when did it really shift in your mind from being just another kind of localized small festival to what it has become? Or has it shifted at all in your mind? Is it just the natural evolution? Me, or was the, was there a line of demarcation? No, I really feel like it's never really changed. I mean, the, the, the whole concept of Fest 1 was like, we have our friends here. We want our friends from other places to come here and play. It's the yeah. same when you tour. You know, you tour, you meet people. So if you're going to have a party, you're going to invite your friends. And... You know, the very first fest, we had bands from California, we had bands from Minneapolis, we had bands from Virginia, you know, it was trying to invite the folks that we love. And I think it just kind of like, I remember fest three was when we were like, wow, like we like doubled our attendance. Right. You know. But how many bands were you having on the festival in those or in those first few? Uh, I think we had like 60 some bands the okay. first year. I mean, it's hard to, I mean, it's been 19 of them, dude. It's hard yeah. for me to remember. It's hard for me to actually remember which was which, you know, but unless uh, yeah. I look at, I have to seriously look at the posters. Yeah, no, I'm not I holding your feet to the fire, but now. And, I don't, and I don't, I don't have but one of them in this room. Now. Yeah. But now you're at 350 plus comedians well, and plus yeah, wrestlers. I think and, it also that a lot of that was me wanting to help more bands you know, we get hit up by a lot more bands sure. and make more friends. So it's like want to give more people opportunity. Same with Gainesville grew. So you want to give like, you know, you have venues and establishments that, that have been friendly all year round and supportive. So you want to throw them shows. So people go to their places to spend money to help them out. Mm-hmm. You know, ideally within, you know, fest has always been a proponent of, of like trying to stay positive about our entire scene and, and extend the, the like concept of like, we're all in this together. We all share. I do a show for you. You do a show for me. We all come together in one place for a good time. And, but also mainly I want to showcase Gainesville. You know, I've lived here since 2000. I fell in love with this town before I moved here. Um, and I've never thought about leaving, I, you know, and I think the way we showcase the city gained us a lot of respect from the city over time when they realized it but also it it shows other people that come through that like hey you could pull this off in your town and there have been people that have left fest and started their own things at home or it might have inspired them just to do something even smaller you know like ha- do a show on your own you know yeah you remember, like i did i, I live in roanoke Virginia, like, you know, we, we did shows in the weirdest of places just to be able to do shows because there was only like, you know, a handful of bands from Roanoke in the mid nineties. So to be able to like play with different bands, so we all just weren't playing and inbreeding within each other. You had to like grab a issue of book your own fucking life and put your info in there and hope bands called you and do shows for them. You know? So it's like, we, we've always been had a DIY ethic about it and fest in a lot of ways have we've had to pull off some shows in some weird ass places to be able to keep fest alive you know yeah. to be able to to be able to host a lot of people i mean a lot of times people are asking me constantly like why do you have 300 and some fucking bands and 12 16 venues like why not just scale it down 
And it's like, well, you know, if we had, if you don't give those smaller bands the opportunity, your whole scene becomes real stagnant. The whole festival becomes stagnant. There's nobody to like grow with the music, grow with the, over the years. And there's a lot of bands that have grown with Fest. Yeah, that started out very small and now like are borderline headlining the festival. Yeah. The Menzingers come to mind. Yeah. I mean, to use a parlance yeah. from, from the wrestling business, you have to develop new talent. Yeah. It's true. And I don't feel like I more developing, it's more like providing an opportunity for them to sure. showcase. Yeah. You know, for people. And festivals tend to as they grow, they tend to kind of take on different facets. Um, anybody who's ever been to South by Southwest knows that there's so much going on to it that um, I think it's technically now described as South by Southwest. Every year we're a clusterfuck. That's their <laughs> that's their new motto. But, you know, you, you were saying you, you kind of weren't into the panel discussion vibe that existed in Mac Rock, which is cool. A lot of festivals, they take on a film component or a photography exhibit component or something like that. But you went towards... It's like a natural evolution of, in a lot of ways, what seems to be your personality. From what I know of you, Fest Comedy, and then, of course, a Fest Wrestling. What made you really want to become a, a wrestling promoter? That That's amazing. Um, well, I grew up always, I and mean, you and I have talked about it many times. You know, as a kid, you grow up watching wrestling. Yeah. Get to it. Growing up in Roanoke, it wasn't as much like it went from WWE to NWA, which turned to WCW. I grew up in more of like the like Southern, like brawling style wrestling, very, very like gritty character development. Sure. Uh, but as a small child, we all grew up with the, the like bigger than life, almost cartoonish uh, characters that went at the same. I think at the same time I was watching WWE, I was also playing with He-Man, you know, yeah. Master of the Universe. So it was like almost like a cartoon, wacky, weird stuff. But then when you get a little older and you're like eight or 10 and you start seeing like Dusty Rhodes and Ric Flair and Terry Funk and like people just really brawling and beating the shit out of each other. And it seems real. As I got older, that appealed to me more. And then you fade out of that. And then in college, it was like ECW, which was like just wild as shit. Crazy stuff. But eventually I faded out of wrestling. Wrestling got boring. I don't know. I feel like once ECW died to me, it was done. But then, like, later on, you start getting nostalgic. You start finding other people in the punk scene, like yourself, that were into it. You start talking about the old times and talking about old things that we grew up with and weird stories and weird matches and ridiculousness of stuff. And then I started finding out that there was, like, indie shows going on in yeah. Florida. And so we started going to these at, like, venues like the Orpheum in Tampa. And you're like, wow, this talent is awesome. And these shows are awesome. And it's like going to like a punk show or like going to a house show instead of going to House of Blues, you know, for to see bands. Yeah. And so I started talking, you know, you're buying merch directly from the wrestlers at their merch tables, very similar to how you buy from bands, you know. Um, and you start talking and getting conversation with them. And so it was kind of like one of these things like, well, fuck it, let's just do a wrestling show. I was trying to get like, Evolve, which is an independent wrestling promotion, yeah. to come through and do a show at Fest. And they were just kind of like the first two years we did wrestling. It wasn't Fest wrestling. It was just wrestling at Fest. And so Lazy, who runs the Orpheum, was like, fuck it, man. Just do your own. And so that's kind of how Fest nice. wrestling started. I just I just reached out to the wrestlers that I knew um, and folks like Eric Cannon and 
and were very helpful with it. Effie was very helpful um, in finding other folks and get introduced to it. And at the time, like, and still it is, like when we do Fest Wrestling, we want it to be an alternative. And at the time, it was way more of an alternative, even with the indie scene, especially here in Florida, what we were starting to do, having like intergender matches, having, uh, you know, an environment where anyone could come and feel comfortable. Yeah. You know, and there was a lot of indie shows you go to that, you know, if you weren't fucking a white fat dude, you didn't feel comfortable at, you know, <laughs> like to be honest, it's like a good old like, boys club. Yeah. Really. A lot was. of them are Florida, yeah. especially here in Florida. And, and granted, you know, we, we kind of like when we started out, we, we tried aggressively to be the alternative to all that and change stuff. And we're very vocal about it too. And a lot of wrestlers were, were stoked that, you know, they came to work for us. They felt comfortable. A lot of fans were able to come to our shows and be able to be who they were and not have to worry about being called, Hey faggot, you know, yeah, or shit like that. Um, and it was great. And I think because we kind of like started letting people have a little bit more say, letting town have a little bit more say and do stuff, things changed, especially in the indie scene here in Florida. And we've seen it in, in general in wrestling, I think things have changed a lot. And now I feel like, we're not the alternative anymore. We're just part of a bigger thing. That's great. Where everybody's coming together. And there's a lot of great independent wrestling promotions throughout the entire world that have really accepted people of color, people of different gender identifications, um, women, um, and fans and let, let things be more fun, letting things be more creative. It doesn't have to be this old set in stone way it used to be. Yeah. Um, there was a, a event, I think it was four times a year in LA that I would love to go to called Lucha Vavoom. And yeah. it, it really reminded me when the first time I saw Fest Wrestling at Fest, it really reminded me of that. I, I give you a lot of credit for that, man, because it, it, it kind of put a, a whole new bright spot on that weekend because there were so many people that liked wrestling that also are in the subculture we're in, but we didn't necessarily know it. You know, when you're with someone for a day in Milan or in Atlanta and you don't really get to know them that well, but then you see them at Fest Wrestling, you know, it's the shared struggle of being a wrestling fan. Here we all are, arm in arm, you know, yeah, cheers it's just in. Like when it's you great. First, when- when you're like in middle school and you're into punk and you go to a show and you're like, holy shit, there's other people that like the same thing I like. Yeah. You know? And so like, that's the thing at Fest Wrestling. It enabled people that were into punk and into like alternative thing to be able to say, oh, you know, I used to like wrestling, but I kind of got out of it because I think it's kind of bad or it was sexist or it was fucking homophobic or it was too dude, you know? Uh, and, now I can go to something and feel comfortable at, at it, you know, and I'm glad, you know, we did it for many, many years. It was a hard struggle. You know, we learned a lot. Nobody gave us a blueprint on how to do it. We just, I just kind of took like the punk ethics that we all take that we use in our scene and tried to apply it to wrestling. And a lot of times I was kind of like, maybe some folks in the wrestling community weren't stoked on like, how we try to run our shows and thought that we should be a little bit more professional quote unquote 
Uh, ah, fuck them. But, you know, we're doing it, you know. we The idea is like basically I wanted to put on something that was entertaining for the fans. And how many shows do you it. do a year now? We haven't done a show since last September. Right. Uh, last, I know before last that. February. Yeah. About six or seven shows a year. Now it's it's dead. You know, like I don't feel comfortable doing a show mm-hmm. right now. Independent wrestling is still existing where it can right now. And they're, you know, I talked to like the other day, I talked to Effie, you know, who's the best wrestling champ. Yeah. And Effie was like number like 78 in the PWI, like <laughs> top 500 that. wrestlers in the I world. I saw that. Yeah. Which is wonderful. You know, congrats to him. He's worked his ass off and nobody deserves more to be in a top 100. Uh, for an independent wrestler, that's crazy. Uh, but you know, I was asking like, how you know, how are shows being done right now, like wrestling wise? And he's like, most of them are outside. They're very small attended. Everybody's masked up. Everybody's seated very distance from each other. But the fans are so stoked, and the wrestlers are so stoked. And it might have taken this break for people to really appreciate it and let their egos subside. Mm-hmm. And that's that's that was one of the big. Besides, like, not giving a blueprint on how to do a wrestling show and also being... It's also strange, too. You can be, like, somebody like myself who's, like, a fan of the whole business and and the art of what wrestling can be and the showmanship and the entertainment factor and, you know, the writing and, like, the, the athleticism and everything, the character development. But sometimes if you're just... If you're not a wrestler putting on these shows, it's still hard to gain respect from the industry and the talent sometimes. Interesting. Because then they just look at you as a mark. Like, oh, you're just somebody trying to do this, you know? Yeah, a mark who can put together some spreadsheets and have some semblance of organization enough to pull it off. Yeah. And not someone who's interested in actually making a a difference for the better. Exactly. So like if you're if you're a promoter doing a house show and you bring bands through, there's no band looking at you and going like, Oh, but you know what? Fuck this guy, you know, he's not really in a band. You know? It's just like a weird like as much as you try to like kinda help wrestling kinda open its eyes. A lot of times I don't think wrestling will ever be able to open its eyes hundred percent because it's always still going to be this like if you're not one of the boys you're not one of the boys you know yeah it's not everybody there's a lot of people in that in the, in the industry but that's that, a very old school wrestling. thing you're describing I'm, yeah. I'm really surprised to hear that that's still somewhat the case still somewhat the case maybe. yeah is that something that you can feel on a national level or just kind of on a florida level or southern oh level? on a national on a national yeah. 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 And it's a weird thing. I still, you know, I love wrestling. I I really do. And I love all the people that we've interacted with and had things with. But it's hard. It's hard to keep it going with it. Now, with Fest, I don't have that problem, you know, mm-hmm. with the music industry. You know, I've been involved with it since I was 16 years old, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I just, I, the only other thing I, I'd like to talk to you about is just kind of, what what you plan on doing anything that you want to plug that you're you know because without the actual festival next month you know what you plan to do for the next year to kind of keep the fest brand you know kind of in in people's eyes because people love it people are going to miss it people are going to long for it it's been interesting and fun to watch you 
you're kind of like the the you know Bigfoot during the weekend because like you're around. You don't always see Tony from Fest at Fest because you're you're a busy fucking dude. But now we're seeing you interview bands and and spotlight bands and doing these kind of label showcases and stuff for these uh, these live streaming uh, acoustic shows. Is there anything that's coming up in the next year that, that you want to talk about or things that you look forward to doing to kind of help get us to 2021? Well, you know, the Fest at Home, which is the live stream thing we started, um, I basically started that because I I wanted to be active. I wanted to be able to voice and talk to people. Mm-hmm. I also wanted an outlet for my own self to still keep Fest going. I didn't think we would still be doing these. I thought like maybe a month, two months at the max, and then things would pass over, you know. Nobody knew when this started, how things right. were going to be. Um, and I'm happy, though, that we're still able to do this every week. And it started also to give bands and people an opportunity to to have a voice, to be able to, to, to connect again. Um, and it's great. And I think a lot of people are doing it. Like you starting this podcast and like other folks trying to do live streaming. It's really, I think people being very creative on how to stay involved, to stay passionate about what they care about and to provide outlets and connections with folks. And I think that's one of the positive things that have come out of uh, this pandemic is that people have had to reevaluate connections with other folks. Yeah. It's almost like I don't, I, I obviously I miss seeing people perform. I miss performing, but it's the conversations in the parking lots around the country that you have after the yeah. shows. That's what I'm fiending for. That's why I'm doing this podcast is I, I, I miss that connectivity more than yeah, anything. Same with me. Same with me. And that's why I was stoked that you asked me to be on here with you so we connect with you. But even that, like, you know, we all found ourselves in the first couple of months longing for that. So you reached out to family. You reached out to friends more. You did more phone calls. Yeah. Zoom got popular, you know, things like that. Like, uh, and I feel like if we come out of this, it's it's on the positive end of it, the other end of it. It's it's going to be that we've learned to that we need this connection. We need to talk to each other. We need this, and we will not take for granted what we had. You know, we're all itching for shows and everything, but how many of us sat around and like a band was coming through town? It's like. I don't know, uh, man. It's Monday night. Yeah. I don't know. I'm going to yeah. go down to Lucy's and watch this band. I'll catch them next time. You know, that uh, maybe that won't be the case when it comes back through. It'll be like the early 90s, you know, when there wasn't so many shows. And you like were craving like, oh, shit, a band's coming through and playing live. I'm going, you know. Yeah, and you stay for um, the whole thing and you watch every band. Yeah, like, yeah. Yes. But uh, we're going to keep doing Fest at Home on Thursdays. Um, Fest weekend that was supposed to be Fest weekend this coming Halloween. I think we're going to try to put together like a, a, a bigger version of Fest at Home. And if that goes well, maybe we'll do a Christmas Eve like, you know, saying like people doing Christmas songs or something pre-recorded or nice. who knows. That sounds great. You know? Well, thanks, yeah. man. It's 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 great to, to catch up with you. And, uh, you know, you and I are normally good for a conversation in person oh, at yeah. least at least once a year, sometimes <laughs> twice if, if I'm lucky. But, yeah, you know, I'll, you I'll, I'll take this, you know, I'll take this and I appreciate the time. Yeah, you're a little closer now, so maybe you can yeah, exactly. get down a little sooner, you know. <laughs> Plus, Brian Forrest needs a buddy down here. Come on. Yeah. Get bored working at the tattoo shop. And there it is, my interview with Tony Weinbender from The Fest. 
Thank you all for tuning in. Again, please subscribe to the Berman Hour podcast. If you like it, rate and review it. Even if you don't like it, rate it and review it. Five stars, preferably. If you give me one star, I'm, I'm going to egg your house. Maybe that's very petulant of me. Maybe it's very 1993 of me. Five stars, please. Or just word of mouth. Tell somebody about it. The Berman Hour, the podcast. It's good to be here. Thanks again to our sponsors at High Spirit Shirts on Instagram and New Wave, who are bringing us Flow State Coffee. Get 10% off your first order by going to newwave.co slash Berman. That's N O O W A V E dot C O slash B E R M A N. All right, that's it. Thanks, everyone. Episode one in the books. Let's get it.